Then he said, when I was with you before, I told you that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and in the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And he said, yes, it was written long ago that the Messiah would suffer and die and rise from the dead on the third day. It was also written that this message would be proclaimed in the authority of his name to all the nations beginning in Jerusalem. There is forgiveness of sins for all who repent. You are witnesses of all of these things. And now I will send the Holy Spirit just as my father promised, but stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from heaven. Then Jesus led them to Bethany and lifting his hands to the heavens, he blessed them. While he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up to heaven. So they worshiped him and then returned to Jerusalem, filled with great joy. And they spent all of their time in the temple praising God. Well, I'd like to thank Pastor Todd for inviting me to preach today. It's truly a blessing to be here and to have the opportunity to share God's word and how we apply it to our lives. I would like to talk to you today about a question that I think is important for all of us to contemplate, and that is, how will you wait? But first, a word of prayer. Thank you, Lord, for granting us the opportunity to come together today to worship you for who you are. You are truly worthy to be praised. We are blessed beyond all measure because we are able to be in your presence as a community to hear from you. So as I share your word today, I ask you, Lord, for you to open the hearts and minds of those hearing this message so that they will gain wisdom and understanding and will know how to apply this message to their lives. Thank you for your blessings and for sending your son to die on the cross for us so that we can have salvation. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, have you ever felt called to do something, but you weren't clear on when and how? You were waiting for more clarity or for things to be spelt out or the resources to be provided before you can move? This retelling of Jesus' ascension is often an afterthought to Easter. But in reading Luke's account of Jesus' ascension, I became fascinated by the story. And in particular, I was fascinated by how Jesus' followers responded after they were given what one could classify as a life-altering assignment, but then told to wait. I was first curious about the statement that Jesus had to open their minds to the scripture. You would think that by now his followers would have had clarity on Jesus' purpose on earth, but that wasn't the case. They still believe that Jesus was here to overthrow the Roman government and to reign on earth. They just didn't get the bigger picture. God had made a promise to Israel long ago that the Messiah would suffer and die and rise from the dead on the third day. God is a God of details and the promises God made and told by the prophets had to be fulfilled. But this was far from being clear to Jesus' followers. So he had to open their minds to understand the scripture. This way, they could understand that Jesus' life here on earth was in fact a fulfillment of God's promise made long ago. Jesus also told them that there was still more to the story, 
that there would be a message that would be proclaimed in the authority of his name to all the nations beginning in Jerusalem. A promise that there is forgiveness of sins for all who repent. As witnesses to this fulfillment of the prophecy, they had a special assignment, a purpose, to declare this message to all the nations. There was, this was really no small feat. After all, these were an oppressed people under the rule of the Roman Empire. How would they even begin to declare this message? Jesus anticipated their needs and reminded them of another promise. He said, and now I will send the Holy Spirit just as my father promised, but stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with the power from heaven. Now that in itself was a lot to digest. And then Jesus led them to Bethany and lifting his hands to heaven, he blessed them. And while he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up to heaven. So they worshiped him and then returned to Jerusalem filled with great joy. And they spent all of their time praising God. What a scene. I can only imagine if I was there that I would have been in awe also worshiping him with the, re with the realization that Jesus is God. What was interesting to me is what they chose to do after they returned to Jerusalem. In returning to Jerusalem with great joy, they spent all their time in the temple praising God. They were in a continual praise and worship. The scripture says they spent all their time praising God, not just some, but all. But how could they manage to praise God all the time? After all, Jesus left them and now they were told to wait in the city. Jesus didn't even say how long to wait. I don't know about you, but I would have had a lot of questions. My questions probably would have started in Bethany and I may have been tempted to say, oh, wait up Jesus as he was ascending to ask some key questions like, how long should we be waiting for? Or questions like, exactly how am I supposed to be proclaiming the good news? And after Jerusalem, where do you want me to go? I probably would have had many questions and would be tempted to spend a lot of time theorizing, planning, designing, preparing, and on and on. But that wasn't their response. They returned to the city filled with great joy and spent all their time in the temple praising God. That really caught my attention. So have you ever had to wait on God? It seems like this pandemic is an example of one long wait, waiting in long lines to get groceries, waiting to see if the daily infection rates would go up or down, waiting to see loved ones, waiting for the vaccines to get emergency approval, and then waiting for an appointment, first dose, then second dose, and waiting to see when life will get to a new normal. We all have had to do a lot of waiting lately, but this idea of having to wait on God is not a new one at all. So the question is, how do you wait on God? How do you wait well? I believe that the Ascension story gives us a lesson on how we should be waiting on God. Now let's start with why Jesus told them to wait in the first place. Remember, after seeing prophecy fulfilled, they still needed to have their minds opened. His followers had seen and witnessed so much, yet there was so much they didn't know or understand. I can only imagine the whirlwind of emotions they had experienced all within a short period of time. 
After all, within 43 days, they saw Jesus tortured, crucified, likely thinking all was lost, then seeing Jesus raised from the dead. There was for sure fear and doubt. And we know that Thomas had his doubts because John 20, verse 24, Thomas says, I won't believe it unless I see the nail wounds in his hands, put my fingers into them and place my hand into the wound in his side. He was saying this even though his fellow disciples had all testified to seeing Jesus. Thomas was clear, actually very graphic in his expectation that if he doesn't see him and touch Jesus for himself, he won't believe it. I believe the reason why Jesus told them to wait is because even though these believers were filled with joy, they still needed to be prepared for the intense work ahead of them. The special assignment to spread the gospel to all the world, they needed to be prepared. And a part of that preparation was the fulfillment of God's promise in Joel 2, verse 28, when he said, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. God would send his spirit to empower them and transform them, but they first needed to wait on God. You see, even before the pandemic, I was waiting. Waiting on God, feeling the prompting from the Holy Spirit, I decided to leave my very secure job. I just did not believe that being there is where God wanted me to be. And I know that he was calling me to leadership in a way that I was not going to be fulfilled. I wasn't going to be able to fulfill where I was. I didn't know exactly where he would send me next, but I decided to leave and wait on him and see. And since I knew I was going to be waiting, I decided to figure out how to wait well. I did a lot of reading and was inspired by the lives of people in the Bible, like Jesus' followers, that had their share of waiting. And through this exploration, I learned four key things that I applied during my wait that worked for me and draw me, drew me closer to God. And I'd like to share those with you today. The first one is doing exactly what the followers of Jesus did. They praised God. They worshiped him. Now, what is worship? Worship comes from the Latin word worship, which implies expressing worth. So worship doesn't mean to feel gratitude. It means to express worth. The Bible notes multiple ways for us to worship, including singing, playing musical instruments, dancing, bowing, and even silent reflections, to name a few. In life's pauses, when you are waiting on God, you have a perfect opportunity to achieve personal growth through worship. What is amazing is that the reward of worship is God himself. This concept is demonstrated in one of my favorite stories of God showing up in the midst of worship. Second Chronicles chapter 20, King Jehoshaphat and the people of Judah were going to be attacked by a vast army. And after fasting and praying, they heard from one of God's prophets that God would be with them. Verse 21 and 22 says, after consulting the people, Jehoshaphat then appointed men to sing to the Lord and to praise him for the splendor of his holiness. As they went out ahead of the army saying, give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. And as they began to sing and praise, the Lord set ambushes against the men of Ammonon and Moab and Mount Sir who were invading Judah and they were defeated. 
This is a perfect example of how the reward of worship is God's presence. Worship produces unity with God and produces endurance. This makes waiting on God worthy of praise. Now, the second thing I learned about waiting well while waiting on God is you need to be in prayer. I believe that more than likely inhabited in the praises of Jesus's followers were prayers. And in my waiting was an opportunity to not only praise God for who he is, but it was also an opportunity to develop a relationship with him. Prayer increases your intimacy with God and creates a dependence on him. This is especially needed while you're waiting on God. Now, I remember being in the height of my waiting season. It was when the kids were home in virtual school. And the only way to get alone time with God was to lock myself in the dark in the bathroom. And this one particular day, I was struggling with what to do next. And I was praying really crying out to God for direction. And I heard him tell me Matthew 6, verse 33. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. I was shocked, really. I was by myself for sure. I was locked in the bathroom, but the message was clear as day. While this experience seemed almost unbelievable, I knew it was real because it reminded me of Daniel. In Daniel chapter 10, a message was revealed to Daniel about a great war. Not knowing what to do, Daniel prayed, fasted, and mourned for three weeks. Then an angel appeared to Daniel and he said, don't be afraid, Daniel. God has heard everything that you said ever since the first day you decided to humble yourself in front of your God so that you could learn to understand things. I have come in response to your prayer. This angel's words strengthened Daniel and gave him the direction he needed. Prayer is an invitation for divine involvement. And when you are waiting, you need prayer. The third thing I learned about waiting well is you need courage. Trusting God takes courage. It can be especially challenging while you wait. It would be difficult to imagine that Christ's followers were all of a sudden without any fear on the day of his ascension. In spite of any fear they may have experienced, they decided to trust Jesus and return to the city to wait for the Holy Spirit. Now, people often confuse what courage is, thinking that if you have courage, you're not afraid. But that just isn't true. Courage is not the absence of fear, but the willingness to turn your fear over to God. Now let's consider the story of David. I believe his story is a great example of being courageous while waiting. Scholars estimate that David was likely 15 years old when he was anointed by Samuel. Yet he didn't take the throne until he was 30. And during this very long wait, David experienced many trials, including being on the run from Saul, who was trying to hunt him down to kill him. Psalms 27 shows you how David was prayerful and took courage. In verse one, David says, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is my stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? David chose to put his trust in God, even in anticipation of his darkest hour. In verse five, he says, 
For the day of trouble, he will keep me safe in his dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of his sacred tent and set me high upon a rock. He ends Psalms 27 saying this, I remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. Now that takes me to my fourth and last key thing that I learned about waiting well. And that is you need to be patient. Jesus told his followers just what he needed them to know at the time. He told them to go to the city and wait on the Holy Spirit. He didn't tell them how long they were, they were going to wait or even how to be ready to receive the Holy Spirit. He just told them to wait. And when you don't know how long you have to wait, you need, to, you need patience. You need to focus on doing what you do well and prayerfully and patiently wait on God. When needing inspiration on patience, I turn to Joseph. Genesis tells us the story of Joseph and how his dreams as a teenager of being a ruler and his family bowing to him was seen as lofty and threatened his brothers. So threatened that they sold him off into slavery. So instead of his dream coming to pass right away, he instead had to live a life of patience, waiting on God. Patience is a very critical part of personal development and perseverance. Think about what God designed for Joseph when he went from the pit to Potiphar's house, then to a prison, and then to a palace. Joseph probably had no idea what was happening at the time, and what he experienced was so far from what he had dreamt about as a teenager. You see, timing is everything. And we know that while the time had passed, God's plan for Joseph was unfolding. A plan that would allow Joseph to not only save Egypt, but to save his family. Genesis 50 verse 20 shows that Joseph did eventually understand God's plan clearly when he said to his brothers, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. Joseph's story teaches us that patience during difficult times strengthens our faith in God and helps us see him clearly. I can only imagine how the followers of Christ felt at the day of Pentecost when their wait for the Holy Spirit was over as he poured out on them, just as God had promised. They can now go forward stronger in faith and better prepared to share the good news. Now, while my wait for where God would send me next in my career is over, I feel that the wait to also prepare me for what he needs me to do in this new season in my life. So whether you are in a pause waiting for God to tell you what's next, or as we all should be waiting for Christ to return to this earth once again, wait well by worshiping him by praying and developing a relationship with him, by being courageous and putting your trust in him, and by having patience, which will build your faith in God. I will leave you with one last thought from the author Wendy Pope, who compares waiting well to that of a caterpillar, patiently waiting and developing in its cocoon until one day it's time for it to break free and become a butterfly. She says, let the pressure of your weight 
fortify your faith, cultivate your character, and reinforce your resolve so that when you fly away from it, the world will see the beautiful colors of your faith. Amen. Mm -hmm.